Amen. Well, it'd be my joy if you would join me in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, we'll be reading verses 35 through 46. Some of these verses will be looked at more next week, but we'll read the whole passage together. I'm sure as some of you all might have drove in today, and as the parking lot was full, thinking, is this an overflow of the Asbury Revival? Maybe. But hopefully in the second breath, you were sitting there saying, yes, Lord, please, please do something among us today. Do something in our hearts today that we might experience true revival, true renewal that can only come from you. So we read this in Luke chapter 22. It says this, and he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask Oh, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts today, cultivating weakness among your people, Lord, creating desperate dependence on you, Lord, that we wouldn't be like the disciples who would fall asleep in light of trials and temptation, in light of the world that we face, but, Lord, we would rise and pray. We would find ourselves with Jesus in desperate dependence. And that, Lord, our hearts would say, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. So, Lord, we continue to pray what we just sang. Jesus, only Jesus, help me trust you more and more. Jesus, only Jesus, may our hearts be ever yours. Lord, you do that for your glory and our joy today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we tend to grow numb to the big things happening around us, don't we? we? We tend to grow numb to the things that we see. We find ourselves becoming desensitized or, or unmoved by the things that should move us in the world around us. 
If we're not careful, this can grow a, a coldness in our heart, a sleepiness to us as believers. It can make us be apathetic to the things of the Lord. I was talking this last week to a friend, Brad Clarity, our deacon of missionary care. And we were talking about how there's tens of thousands of people. The, the weight of tens of thousands of people dying without Christ in an earthquake in Turkey. And we were talking about how we can scroll through our phones. We can scroll through our news feeds on our smartphones, and it doesn't even make us pause anymore, does it? And it definitely doesn't make us weep. Another school shooting as we scroll. Another riot on a city, in a city somewhere. Another war. Another devastating earthquake. And then we just keep scrolling, looking for the sports score that we're looking for. The question is, have we grown sleepy? Have we grown cold to the things of Christ? Have we grown apathetic? Because the sad thing is, we can do the same thing with the things of God. We can be unmoved by the most moving thing in the world, Jesus Christ. Especially when we come to the final week of Jesus and we can turn in these last pages of Luke and, and we can say, you know what, I've seen this before. I've read this before. I've, I've heard that verse before. We can especially do this when with Jesus praying in the, the garden. And we can miss the gravity of the garden. In fact, when you read the account of the Gospel of Luke. Luke. Luke leaves out of many of the details in the garden that we read in other Gospels. He, he leaves out that specifically it was Peter, James, and John that he took with him to pray. He leaves out the details of Jesus going back again and again, more than once, and finding the disciples asleep. But this isn't by accident. The reason is because Luke wants us to experience the intensity of the heart of Jesus. The weightiness, the emotional weightiness of the cross to feel what is going on in the mind and heart of Jesus as he's headed towards the cross. My prayer this morning is that we wouldn't miss the gravity of the garden. The gravity of the, the gospel. I, I don't want us to miss the weight of what's happening in the heart of Jesus that would make him fall on his face, that would make him cry out, Lord, if you're willing, take this cup from me. This is not another headline on your smartphone. It's not another Instagram post. This isn't worth scrolling past. Listen, this is the Son of God bearing the wrath of God, submitting to the will of God in joy for your joy, for His glory. So I want to encourage us today, first of all, to feel the weight of the cross, to feel 
the weight of the cross. Jesus has just finished the Last Supper, and he takes his disciples out to the Mount of Olives. And the passage says that this is his custom, meaning that Judas knew where he was going to find Jesus that night. This was his habit. He knew where he could take the soldiers. So Jesus, knowing what lies before him, what, what lies even ahead for the disciples, he exhorts them to pray. He exhorts them because of the weightiness, but because of the heaviness of the next 24 hours that I'm going to face, that you're going to face. He commends them to cry out. He says, verse 40, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He knows that the temptations of the disciple, the temptation for the disciples and for you and me would be in the next 24 hours for you to run. For you to deny that you've ever known Jesus. For you to betray Jesus. For you to turn away. And he knows if they're not desperately dependent on the Lord, they're going to turn somewhere else. But they don't quite grasp the gravity, do they? They don't feel the weight. How do I know that? Because they fall asleep. Because they fall asleep in the garden. The disciples, in that very moment when the weight of the world is on Jesus, they think it's a good time to take a nap. They fall asleep. Listen, we too turn to so many things when we face temptations. When we face trials that we face in this life, so many things we turn to instead of prayer and we as god's people somehow make talking to god desperation to god a last resort some of us are like the disciples and we might turn to sleep maybe you've done that before you know what i don't even think i'm gonna get out of bed this morning i'm just gonna hope that the bed drowns out all my sorrows maybe for some of us we face trials and we turn to other people. We think there's someone else that could carry this burden, that could carry this weight I'm facing other than Jesus. Someone better than Jesus. Some of us maybe turn in the face of our struggles, we turn to ourselves. You know, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try to do Better. Maybe I'll start a new exercise routine and that could fix all of the trouble I'm facing. Some of us, maybe we're crippled by anxiety. We turn to despair, acting in that moment like someone, no one's in control right now. I love what Martin Luther says. He says, when things get bad, pray and let God worry some good advice there. When things get bad, pray and let God worry. See, here's my hunch for us as God's people, for Christ's fellowship today. My hunch, it's not that we've tried prayer and that we found it lacking. It's not that we've tried desperation and desperation for the Lord simply has not delivered. It's that we're not desperate enough. It's that we don't pray. It's that we would rather sleep than seek the face of the Lord. 
doesn't matter if it shows up as anxiety in your life or if it shows up in, as apathy in your life. Both of those are not desperation on the Lord. Jesus, instead, look at him instead of the disciples. Jesus felt the full weight of this temptation. He knew fully the trial that was about to come on him. He knew that sleep was not going to be the best option. Instead, it was falling on his face before his father. Instead, it was crying out to his heavenly father who he knows and loves. So Jesus, it says, goes a stone's throw away, meaning he was far enough away to be alone, but he was still close enough to be heard and in fact, we, we see the wait, weightiness. We can feel the weightiness that was on Jesus here in verse 44. Because listen to what it says. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. It's the only time in the New Testament that this word agony is used. It's the only time. It, it means intense distress. Intense distress that Jesus is fa facing. And I think what Luke is doing right here is he's capturing a uniqueness to the intensity of Jesus. A uniqueness to the intensity of Jesus' agony that no one else knows. That no one else has felt that, that none of us in here have gone through what Jesus has gone through. Luke captures that. He says that Jesus' sweat became like sweat drops of blood. And there are some physicians that would say that is quite possible for blood to seep out through the sweat drops in intense distress. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has faced a greater temptation than you will ever know. Jesus has felt a heavier weight. He's carried a, carried a heavier burden than you will ever or have ever experienced. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. He says it this way in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This means that you can never say, Jesus doesn't understand what I'm going through. This means that you can never say, Jesus has never felt the weight of what I'm feeling right now. Jesus has never known a burden like the burden I'm carrying right now. Listen, Hebrews tells us and Luke shows us that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through and he's with you in it. Jesus knows exactly what you're carrying today, child of God, and yet he's with you in it. Notice Jesus in his great agony, he doesn't turn to anxiety. He doesn't turn to sleep like his disciples. No, Jesus turns to his Father. Jesus turns 
to prayer. Jesus turns to the Lord in the face of his temptation, in the face of this trial. And so Jesus teaches his disciples. He teaches every single one of us what we must do in the face of temptations. What you must do in the face of trials. We must fall on our face in desperation. We must fall on our face in desperation instead of clicking on those videos on your smartphone. Instead of giving in to temptation for that next hit, we must fall in desperation to the Father. We must fall on our faces instead of grumbling and complaining about a sickness that we're facing. We must fall on our faces instead of growing anxious, instead of growing apathetic towards the Lord. We need to fall, Lord, move in my heart. J.C. Ryle says this, prayer and sinning will never live together in the same heart. Prayer and sinning will never live together in the same heart. Prayer will consume sin or sin will choke prayer. Your two options. Prayer will consume sin or sin will choke prayer. Jesus' desire for each one of us this morning, for every single person listening today, is to cultivate weakness in your life. You might think, really? Yes. He's trying to cultivate desperate dependence in your heart so you don't leave today saying you know what in face of the next temptation i bet i'll be strong enough i guess i'm now strong enough no but he wants you to feel the weight of temptation the weight of the trial the weight of the cross so that you'll fall on your face in desperation so listen to jesus saying to you today, just like he said to his disciples, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The second thing we have to see here, though, is we must focus in on the wrath of the Father. If we truly want to grasp the gravity of the garden, we must focus in on the wrath of the Father. See, some people have looked at the garden and they've wondered, why is Jesus in such great agony? Like, why is he in such great distress? Why does it seem like Jesus responds differently to other people who were martyrs in history? You ever thought of that? Why when other people suffer in history, they, they seem to do it with joy and with courage? I mean, just look at the book of Acts and it seems like the apostles handle Suffering better than Jesus. Stephen's filled with joy, looking upon the glory of God in Acts. Why does he look different? Why does he respond to suffering with with less courage than the martyrs throughout history? Just listen to the English reformer Nicholas Ridley who was being tied to a stake. They're about to set it on fire under the reign of Bloody Mary. About to set it on fire. This is 1555. And Nicholas Ridley says this, Heavenly Father, I give thee most hearty thanks 
that thou hast called me to a profession of thee unto death. Uh, here he is about to be burned at the stake, and he's overflowing with thanksgiving. And then his dear friend, Hugh Latimer, at another stake that's about to be set fire, says this, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day, by God's grace, light such a candle in England as I trust shall never be put out. Talk about courage. Talk about having joy. Talk about finding comfort in the midst of sorrow. So why does it seem like Jesus lacks this courage? Why does it seem like his cross seems so much heavier? Well, it's because there is a difference between Jesus' cross and all other suffering for every other Christian. There is a difference between Jesus hanging on the cross and these others facing the stake in England. There's a reason he's filled with great agony and it's like sweat drops of blood flowing from his pores. It's because Jesus is not just hanging on a cross. Jesus is bearing the wrath of God. Jesus is bearing the wrath of God in our place. That's why Jesus prays this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. If you're willing, remove this cup from me. See, the cup, when you see that phrase, this cup, it's not a metaphor for suffering. It's not a metaphor for suffering. We don't just jump straight to, well, what's my cup? When Jesus says, take this cup from me, he's not saying, Father, please take away the cross. It's not what he's asking. No, this cup is the Old Testament language for God's wrath. This cup is the, the due punishment of divine displeasure for people who sinned against a holy God. And we could turn to the Old Testament. I could turn to so many places that talk about this cup. It's found in Isaiah. It's found in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Habakkuk and Zechariah, all throughout the prophets. But just listen to one verse in Psalm 75, verse 8. It says this, for in the hand of the Lord is a cup of foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall train down to the dregs. All the wicked of the earth shall drain this cup down to the dregs. So listen, when Jesus says, remove this cup from me, He's thinking about drinking down the wrath of God for sinners. Drinking down to the last drop the divine displeasure of His heavenly Father for sinners like you and me in our place. So why is this so heavy for Jesus? Why 
Is this such great agony for Jesus? Because for all eternity, listen, for all eternity, Jesus has only felt the divine pleasure of the Father. For all eternity, Jesus has only experienced perfect love, perfect fellowship, perfect unity and joy with the Father. Never, not once, has He felt His wrath. There's there's never been one second for all eternity that the Son has not known His Father's love. Not one millisecond has he not experienced the love of the Father. So when Jesus comes to this moment, when he's headed towards this cross, to the fulfilling of Isaiah 53 that we saw quoted in verse 37, where he's about to be numbered with the transgressors. Or Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, he who knew no sin would become sin for us. That the righteous one of heaven would be treated like he's unrighteous on the cross. This was not easy for Jesus. This burden was not light. And so that's why he says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. That's why on the cross he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Yet, brothers and sisters, in this is the hope of the gospel for sinners like us. This is the only hope for sinners like you and me. Because because at the cross... The Son of God bore the wrath of the Father so that now you could experience His favor forever. Because at the cross, Jesus received the divine displeasure of the Father so that you could know and experience His pleasure forever. Because the Father turned His face away from Jesus, He now turns His face to you, a sinner, if you are in Him, in delight forever. Jesus drank down the cup of God's wrath in your place so that you could be a forgiven son and daughter of Jesus, of the Father. A son or a daughter. That's why it's so heavy when we look at the cross. He's not saying take away the cross. He's saying take away the cup of God's wrath. The divine displeasure of the Father. But he does it in love that we might know his forgiveness and grace. The final thing I want us to see is I want us to find joyful surrender to the will of God. Find joyful surrender to the will of God. When you feel the weight of the cross, and and when you grasp that Jesus is bearing his Father's wrath, the agony makes sense, doesn't it? The heaviness, the distress that Jesus is facing at the cross makes sense that he would cry out, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. 
Yet there's one word in this prayer that changes everything. That there's all eternity hangs on one word. All our hope hinged on one word in the garden, and it's this word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. In fact, one commentator states, the real battle was fought here. The real battle was fought, fought here in the garden. Listen, it's, it's not that the cross and resurrection of Jesus didn't defeat sin and death forever. That is where sin and death were defeated forever. But the victory was already won in the joyful surrender of Jesus to his Father's will. The joyful surrender to Jesus, of Jesus, to endure the cross to the end. See, Jesus had a real desire for the cup to be taken, a real desire that his fellowship with the Father would remain unbroken. But he had a greater desire for the Father's will to be done. A greater desire that the Father's will would be done. That's why he prays, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. The writer of Hebrews captures it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you hear it? For the joy, for the joy that was set before him. What joy? For the joy of all peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation, for the, for the joy of his heavenly Father and the glory of his heavenly Father, Jesus joyfully surrendered to the will of the Father. Jesus joyfully endured the cross in your place. Now for those who are in Christ, for those who are in Christ, our nevertheless echoes from the nevertheless of Jesus. In light of His saving grace at the cross, oh, we should have surrender to Jesus because of all that He has done for us. Our nevertheless should now echo from His nevertheless in the garden. Praise the Lord for the nevertheless of Jesus. Praise the Lord that the Father did not take the cup away from Jesus for the joyful surrender to His Father's will because without the nevertheless of Jesus, we would all still be under the wrath of God. Every single one of us would still be dead in our trespasses and sins if Jesus said, didn't say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. If Jesus didn't turn His face with joy and endure the cross if Jesus didn't rise again for sinners like you and me. 
But since Jesus joyfully surrendered to the will of the Father now, we joyfully surrender to his will today. We too joyfully surrender to whatever the Father's will is. Because of the cross, without hesitation, we should echo the prayer of Jesus in our own prayer life where we cry out to Jesus with our greatest desires, yet always followed by nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So I'm going to give you the green light today, church. I want to give you the the freedom. I want this Holy Spirit to give you the freedom to ask the Lord as you pray for the glory of God and the joy of all peoples like Jesus. I'm going to give you the freedom to ask the Lord whatever your heart desires like Jesus. As long as wholeheartedly and joyfully you can always pray, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In complete Surrender. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Listen, we can and should desperately cry out to the Lord. Desperately ask Him our heart's desire. Lord, take this sickness from my daughter. Lord, deliver her from this sickness. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. Lord, grant me this job that I'm applying for, this job that I want to bring you glory in. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, take away this hard situation at my workplace. Lord, please help me take away this chronic illness that I cannot shake. Lord, give us Children, Lord, bring us rain to our fields. Lord, give me my heart's desire, please. Yet nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, this is my desire. But Lord, my greatest desire is your will and your glory. Let that trump everything that that you pray. Lord, bring a true outpouring of revival among us. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, people have asked me this week, maybe people have asked you this week, what do you you think about the Asbury revival? I heard even just this morning that, that Fox News was trying to get there, and they said, No, we'd rather you not be a distraction. For all I know from from friends who've been, people I know that I trust who've visited, it seems like a, a genuine outpouring of God's Spirit on the ordinary means of grace. Just ordinary singing, ordinary praying, just ordinary hearing God's Word where God's supernatural grace shows up for His glory. And that's something that every single one of us should be praying for. Lord, would you do something among us that can only be explained by your Spirit working for your glory in the midst of our ordinary efforts. 
Yet whether or not you experience true revival, I think it all depends a lot on whether or not you have a heart that says nevertheless. I mean, if you think about it, do you have a heart that says nevertheless? Whether or not you have a heart joyfully surrendered all, it's joyfully surrendered everything to Jesus. So let me just close by asking every single one of us listening this morning, are are you sleepy this morning? And when I say that, are you spiritually sleepy this morning? Has your heart grown cold to the things of God? Have you grown apathetic to the things of the Lord? The great God in heaven who would love you so much that he would send his one and only son to bear his holy wrath in your place and on the third day rise again that sin and death could be defeated forever and you could be a son or daughter forever. This morning, have you... Have you tried desperate dependence on Jesus? Have you tried joyful surrender to His will? My prayer is, yes, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, among us. Move in our hearts that cold hearts might be inflamed by Your Spirit. Lord, move in our hearts that the sleepy among us might Awaken to the glories and the beauty and the treasure that is Jesus. Lord, take our lukewarm, apathetic hearts and fill us with hearts that would say, Nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask, O Lord, for your great glory and for our joy. Lord, that you would stir us up. Awaken us from our sleepiness. Awaken us from our apathy. Lord, take our cold hearts, Lord, and inflame them by your Spirit, Lord, that we might think about the things of Jesus, that we might be moved by the most moving love in the universe, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Heaven's favorite would come from heaven so that he might bear the wrath of God in our place. Lord, the the divine pleasure, the joy, the love that he's experienced for all eternity, Lord, that in love and for your glory and by your grace, he would go to a cross. And Lord, he would bear the wrath that we deserve. He would drink down the cup of your wrath, your divine displeasure, so we could know the pleasure, your heart, your delight in us forever. Not because of us, but because of what Jesus has done for us in our place. So Lord, I pray that you would take dead hearts in this room, cold hearts in this room, and you would... 
Lord, make them alive. That you would awaken them to see the glories of Jesus. And that, Lord, they would repent and believe in your Son. And, Lord, I pray that you would take us as a church, that you would take every believer that's in here today, and that you would cultivate weakness, that you would cultivate desperate dependence on you that would lead to joyful surrender. Lord, we pray as we did earlier. Lord, help us trust you even more. May our hearts be forever yours for your glory and for our joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.